Amen. It's because of that love that we have that blessed assurance, huh? Listen, I want you to know something. You've got to settle it in your mind. That Jesus is more than the figment of our imagination. Amen. He's meant more than this mystical existence that's way off out there in the cosmic. Yes. No, he's closer than the breath we breathe. He said, where two or more are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst. I want you to understand those. The Spirit of God. Jesus Christ, His Spirit, His presence is here. Amen. Right now, in this house, on a Thursday night in Greenwood, Louisiana. And I want you to understand something too. He's not grown old, weak, feeble, senile. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Anything He's ever been able to do, He's still able to do. He's still in the miracle working business. We don't assemble together just to be socially accepted and look good in the community. We gather together because of the love of God that we've been singing about tonight and the assurance that we can have in him. We can know we're saved. We don't have to, to be told we're saved when we have that encounter with him. Ask the apostle Paul who's riding down the road minding his own business and got not off his horse. Now I have fallen off of some horses. I've been bucked off of some horses. I was going to say, but I've never got knocked off. That's not true. I got knocked off one time. A horse run under a limb with me and knocked me off. But I want you to understand something. God has a way of getting our attention. And he has a way of making himself real to you. He has a way of showing up and showing out in your life and in your circumstances. Y'all probably or may not have recognized uh, that I wasn't here last Thursday. But I was down in Hamilton, Texas. That's about an hour west of Waco. We had a cap roping school down there. Had 61 cap ropers, 12 to 18 years of age that... Uh, we're literally from all over the United States. Um, we not only had great calf ropers such as uh, Clint Cooper and, and uh, Strand Smith and Stetson Vest, but all of a sudden I look up and, and uh, Hall of Fame greatness began to come to the camp and stay, such as Rob Smets, many time freestyle bullfight champion of the world, multiple times. 14 time consecutive NFR appearances with and the bull riding world champion, Ted Noose, he's there. And, and I'm telling you all of this because I want you to understand something. This Jesus we're singing about and we're talking about, these old boys, they've been down the road. And they've encountered this Jesus that we're talking about. They are sold out. They are on fire. They are serving the Lord. And they're not ashamed of it. They stepped up and began to tell those young men what they had what God had brought them from and what he had taken them to. You see, they, I love the way they're approached it. They don't want to put the emphasis on the old man. See, you can really tell when God's done something in your heart or in someone's heart. They don't want to glorify the sinful days of their life. They want to glorify the God that they've turned to. Rob Smith just stuck everything in his body but a needle. Yet he encountered a God that changed his life. I encountered the presence of God. 
November the 29th, 1977, in the living room of my home. You know my story, and I'm not going to rehearse that. But he changed my life in a way that nobody had to tell me that I was saved. I knew how I had encountered him. And I want you to understand something tonight. If you're tired of being who you've been and what you are and how you're living, I want you to know that Jesus has peace and he has a plan and he has a purpose and he has provisions and he has power and he has a love for you that supersedes anything that you can envision or imagine that he has for you. And yet he just simply says, Come unto me, all you that are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. It's that simple, folks. We don't have to be pro or anti this or that as long as we're pro Jesus Christ. We don't have to understand or have all of the answers for all of the questions, but we do have to have an understanding that he's God's son. That he loved us. He came to planet earth, was tempted and tried in all ways as we are, yet without sin. Was beaten almost beyond recognition. Left a bloody trail all the way to Calvary's Hill. Crucified and died. But he doesn't stay dead. Easter Sunday morning he walks out of a grave. But remember this, before he ascended, he descended into the regions of the damned. And he took the keys of death, hell, and the grave away from Satan. And he's alive today. And because he lives, we can live also. Praise God. Praise God. If you have your Bibles, would you turn to the book of Acts chapter 27. Acts chapter 27, very pass familiar passage of scripture. I love to hear those pages turn. You know why I like to hear them? Because with your cell phone you can fake me out and you can be playing a game or something. <laughs> I would strongly suggest, I'm thankful for the Bible app, and I'm thankful, thankful for Google and all that stuff, but don't get so comfortable with that that you forget how to use your batteries. I, I meant to say that. Your batteries. I meant this kind, because you see, I've been places where I had literally plant one time I, I was going to come into the technology world I was talked into getting an iPhone so I could face what do you call it FaceTime my grandkids I wish I hadn't done that because Emma is blowing me up let me tell you but I was going to use that Bible app on my phone there wasn't no service yeah, uh-oh. 
So, don't let these batteries learn how to. I forgot that sermon was in there. <laughs> know how to use the book. Amen. Know where the books of the Bible are. Because one day, your iPad, your cell phone may not work. Amen. And you may need to know what God says about something. Acts chapter 27. It's going to almost preach itself. I'm just going to read the passage of Scripture and I'm going to tie it together real quickly. Now Paul got knocked off his horse. Had an encounter with God. Turns his life over to the Lord. The Christians, they don't believe it. They think that he's gone incognito, that he's working undercover, that he's a plant, that he's a narc. They don't have anything to do with him at first because, you see, he had been carrying out the execution letters on the Christians. And so it took a while for them to realize that he was legit. And then God began to use him in a mighty way and he ultimately winds up being arrested and convicted. Goes before Festus and Felix. Agrippa. King Agrippa. And those famous lines where he told Paul, he says, Paul, thou almost persuadest me to be a Christian. I want you to understand something. Almost ain't good enough. There's a lot of people that have almost but didn't. So anyway, Agrippa told him after he'd stood before King Agrippa, Agrippa said, you know, if he had not appealed his case to Rome, if he had not appealed his case to Caesar, I'd have let him go. And with that in mind, we're going to pick up in verse 9 of chapter 27. Now when much time had been spent and sailing was now dangerous because the fast was already over, Paul advised them saying, Men, I perceive that this voyage will end with disaster and much loss, not only for the cargo and the ship, but also our lives. Nevertheless, the centurion was more persuaded by the helmsman and the owner of the ship than by the things spoken by Paul. And because the harbor was not suitable to winter in, the majority advised to set sail from there also, if by any means they could reach Phoenix, a harbor of Crete opening toward the southeast and northwest, and winter there. Verse 13, When the south wind blew softly, supposing that they had obtained their desire, putting out to sea, they sailed out close by Crete. But not long after, a tempestuous headwind arose called Eurachlodon. So when the ship was caught and could not head into the wind, we let her drive. And running under the shelter of the island called Clauda, we secured the skiff with difficulty. When they had taken it on board, they used cables to undergird the ship. And fearing lest that they should run aground on the Sirtis sands, they struck sail and were so driven. And because we were exceedingly tempest-tossed, the next day they lightened the ship. 
And on the third day, we threw the ship's tackle overboard with our own hands. Now when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and no small tempest beat upon us, all hope, all hope that we would be saved was finally given up. But after long abstinence from food, then Paul stood in the midst of them and said, Men, you should have listened to me and not sailed from Crete and incurred this disaster and lost. And now I urge you to take heart for there will not be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For there stood by me this night an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I serve, saying, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar. And indeed, God has granted you all those who sail with you. Therefore, take heart, men, before I believe God, that it will be just as it was told me. However, we must run aground on a certain island. Now when the fourteenth night had come, as we were driven up and down the Adriatic Sea, about midnight the sailors sensed that they were drawing near some land. And they took soundings and found it about twenty fathoms. And when they had gone a little further, they took soundings again and found it to be fifteen fathoms. Then, fearing lest we should run aground on the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for day to come. And as the sailors were seeking to escape from the ship, when they had let down the skiff into the sea un in, under pretense of putting out anchors from the brow, Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, Unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. It's important for us to stay in the ship. I want to talk to you tonight for just a few moments about storms. Anybody in this place beside me ever been in a storm? And I'm not talking about just the rain, the wind, and the hail. I'm talking about some storms of life. You know, we have to remind ourselves sometimes that the Lord said that while we were in this world, we would have what? Tribulations. We'd have trials. We'll have tests. Storms, in other words. Obstacles. Opposition. Trials. We're going to have them. But he also said, be of good cheer. For he's overcome the world. And what, what I've discovered is that storms are working for my good. They're not fun. I don't, en I don't enjoy them. But they're actually working for my good in that they're stretching me or refining me or helping me in some way, shape, form, or a fashion. I base that upon Romans where it says that all things work together for good for them that love the Lord and are called according to his purposes. You might interpret that this way. Nothing happens to me. It all happens for me. If I'll just look for what God's trying to teach me. If I'll let that opposition knock the rough edges off of my personality, my arrogance, my whatever. Just let him kind of help knock the rough edges off and smooth me out to where I can eventually progressively and perpetually be changed to look more like Jesus and to where more of the fruits of the Spirit are operable in my life. I want you to understand something. I was talking to somebody the other day. I don't even remember who it was. But in 41 years of preaching, I, I've learned that certain messages that the Lord gives me to preach almost petrify me. Because I've learned that usually right before you preach it, 
or right after you preach it, you're going to get a chance to live it. You're going to get a chance to make it applicable to yourself. Is it just for everybody else? Or does it apply to the preacher too? Because you see, I've, I've come to realize that unless the message that the Lord lays on my heart to give you excites me, strengthens me, encourages me, challenges me, convicts me, reproves me, rebukes me, corrects me, chastises me, unless it does any and other things like that to me, how can I expect it to have an effect on your life? So this message about storms, I went, oh, 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 oh. But, there's that word. Good always comes after the storm. Here's some points I want to make from this passage of Scripture. Some of the reasons that we sail into storms. Verse 11. Wrongful guidance from the so-called experts. You see in verse 11 there is that uh, the centurion believed the master or the captain or the helmsman of the ship and the owner of the ship more then he believed what Paul was saying. Not unlike many of us in life. We hear the preacher. More importantly, we see what God's word says about something. But yet, we take what people say to be more important or more factual. I want to remind you something. <clears throat> the wisdom of man is foolishness to God. I want you to apply the scripture to your own life that said, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Why? Because ungodly people give you ungodly advice most of the time. Amen. Be careful who you confide in. Be careful who you allow to speak into your life. Be careful who you allow to lay their hands on you and pray for you. Be careful that you know that they're a man or woman of God and that they're going to speak to you, not their opinions, but the word. I want you to understand something. My opinion about something is irrelevant. It's what does God's word say about your situation and your circumstance. Because God's word is the final authority. God's word is what counts. God watches over his word to perform it. His word will accomplish what he sent it to do in your life. But it's important that you hide that word in your heart so that you don't sin against him. That's why the devil tries so hard to keep you from reading the Bible. He doesn't want you to have that word hidden in your heart. He doesn't want you to have that bullet in your spiritual gun. He doesn't want you to have your faith grown because faith comes by hearing the word. Somebody should have said, Amen. You can pray for more faith and pray for more faith and pray for more faith. You'll not have more faith unless you put the word in you. Amen. Period. The word trumps everything. Well, I ain't going to go there. <laughs> Secondly, in verse 12, we get wrongful guidance from the majority. You see there where it said that they weren't going to harbor there because it wasn't suitable for winter. winter. So the majority, advised, they took a vote. They took a vote. We're leaving here. We're out of town. We're going. Let's go. This, uh -uh. We can't stay here. Everybody look at me. I want you to look at me. Listen to me with your eyes on this one statement. And you can go back to sleep. 
the will of God never has been, never will be up for a majority vote. Amen. Something is either God's will or it's not. And what we have to do is find out what God's will and wishes and purposes are in our life and our circumstance, that situation. It's not up for the popular vote. Understand that. Get it in your heart. Thirdly, I'm going to hurry on. Verse 13 is very simple. Wrongful guidance from circumstances. This is probably where most people really get into storms. It says, Then when a soft wind blew, supposing they had obtained their purpose, they struck sail. I got to camp out here for just a minute. And those of you that come here very often, you're gonna, you know what I'm going to say before I say it. I'm not a happenstance person. I'm not a throw the rice on the ceiling and see if it sticks kind of guy. By that I'm simply saying just because something seems right doesn't mean it's what God wants. You understand what I'm saying? God's word clearly says that the steps of the righteous man or woman they're ordered by him. If you've not heard God, don't move. I'm going to give you a classic example. Not that I think that I'm all of that, but how many of you miss Joss Saliba? You know that our rodeo the first weekend of May this year will be two years that Brother Josh has been gone, and I'm going to tell you, I miss him. Been a lot of people that have sent in resumes and applied and come by wanting a job. Good people. They just weren't God's man. We've prayed, and I assure you this. I don't want a hireling on staff. I want God's man to fill Josh's position. I want God's man to come in and to help me and to feed you and tend to sheep and love on you and to teach us and to be there. That's what I want. Do you want are you even praying about that with me? I'm gonna tell you something. I need some help. And I need you praying. But I want God's man. It's that simple. That's not too much to ask, is it? Okay, well it's not too much to ask in your own personal life. That God guide your steps. That you learn his voice. He says, my sheep know my voice and another they'll not follow. I want you to be in the habit of not only wanting to hear. But inclining a hearing ear to hear. He says, let him that hath an ear to hear. Let him hear what the Spirit saith. You need to be seeking God for yourself. Don't just be dependent upon me or Cat or Duke or whoever to, to tell you what God says. Besides that, get in the Bible and check out what we say and see if we're even telling you the truth. But I want you to begin to develop that hearing ear because God is speaking. I hear people that talk to me regularly throughout the years or so you know Dennis I just don't know that God talks to me like he talks to other people and I tell him very quickly he's no respecter of persons and he's talking to you you just hadn't learned to recognize his voice yet and it's important that you 
engage in pursuit of hearing him enough that you'll begin to recognize and understand that was God telling me to turn right and go down this street that I normally don't go down or to do things like that but I'm encouraging you tonight this is a very simple message I realize I'm not preaching the paint off of the wall but I want you to recognize that wrongful guidance from the appearance of circumstances and things can mess you up saw what happened to these old boys before it brings me to my fourth and last point and the main thing that gets you into storms is not heeding the warnings of God he warns us through this word of so many things as a Christian, you're saved, you're filled with the Spirit, you're walking in the Spirit, you're being led by the Spirit. You have what's called discernment. And you'll discern something, yet you don't listen to it. Or you'll hear a word from a preacher that, that just uh, really blows up in your heart. And you, you take a hold to it, but then you, you let it go. I want you to understand that... Hearing God and obeying God trumps any and everything else because his word says so. It says to obey is better than any other sacrifice you can make. It's better than giving a lot of money, singing a lot of songs, preaching a lot of sermons, doing a lot of good works. All of that's good and I hope and want you to do all of that as God directs you to do. But the nothing, number one thing that you can do to please God and to fit into the kingdom is to obey God. Obey his word. Obey what his voice is speaking. Obey what his spirit is leading you to do. And oh, by the way, they do come out of the storm. I saw something that I either didn't know or I had forgotten. As my mama would say, I'm allowed. You saw there where, I'm going to close with this. Where he said that, uh, don't be afraid. Verse 24. He said, don't be afraid, Paul. For you must be brought before Caesar. And indeed, God has granted you all of those. I did not see it till the other day when I was studying this. In chapter 23, verse 11. But the following night the Lord stood by him and said, pay attention. Be of good cheer, Paul. For as you have testified for me in Jerusalem, so you must also bear witness at Rome before Caesar. That's long before he's on that ship, long before he's in that storm. But I want you to know the Lord reaffirmed to him in the middle of that storm, everything's going to be all right. You're going to make it to Rome. And I'm here tonight to tell you, if you'll keep your eyes on the Lord, if you'll stay committed to him, if you'll walk out the purposes that he has in your life, if you'll stand on the word of God, exercise and move in faith, you will come out of the storm that you're in and you will make it to your room. You will stand before your Caesar. You will see God work in you, through you, and for you. Amen. Bow your heads. Maybe you're here in this place tonight and you say, Dennis, you just don't know how bad a storm I'm in. Man, them waves are about to crash my ship. Real quickly, if that's you, could I see your hand? I'm going to want to pray for you in a minute. Yes, sir. Anybody else? Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Many of you. Hands everywhere. Put them down. Maybe you're here and 
tonight and you know God has spoken to you to go to your room. In other words, he sent you a long time ago to do something. And you've been sidetracked along the way. Tonight you hear him speaking to you in your spirit. You need to get back to doing what I've told you to do. Can I see your hand real quick? Get it up. Yes, 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 yes. Maybe you're in this house tonight and you say, Dennis, I'm just going to be quite honest with you. I'm lost as a goose in a snowstorm. If I died tonight, I'd go to hell. But I've heard of this champion of love that was sung about tonight. I've heard about this assurance that you can have of knowing this Jesus. And I'm tired of doing it my way. Tonight I want to just reach out to him and ask him to forgive me of my sins and to come in and to make me a new creature. And to start over. And with his help, do it better this time. Is there anybody here that you'd say, that's me? I need to give my life to God. Anyone, anywhere, just slip up your hand. Quickly, slip it up, slip it right back down. Thank you, young man. Anyone else? Real quickly. Thank you, young man. Thank you, sir. 